0: You're listening to audio from NC Worship, the Sunday morning worship gathering of Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we are. We have two verses today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. We've been walking through Thessalonians and um, this is just how we do it at at Neartown. Uh, We we believe that God's written word, um, the Bible reveals the living word Jesus. And so our best... Service to you and helping you to see Jesus for who He is is to teach you the Bible. And we found that more often than not, the best way to do that is just to pick a book of the Bible and just teach through it. And there are times where we go quickly through verses, and other times we go slowly through verses. It's just uh, depending on how it's all laid out. And um, so today we're going to go slowly through a couple of verses. and what we've learned so far in Thessalonians, in, the, in this book, 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote it to the Christians at Thessalonica. It's a fledgling church. He's very proud of them. There's a lot of good things going on. There are some challenges. They're unsure of uh, what happens when you die, when will Jesus return. We talked about all those kinds of things in the last few weeks. If you've not heard those sermons, then you can go online and listen to them. Uh, but here in what we, what we see is the final instructions uh, Paul is going to pick up on a couple of, of one-liners, a couple of things that, you know, while I'm at it, it's kind of like he's saying, while I'm at it, there's a few other things I believe God wants me to tell you. And in verse 12 and 13, what he's going to talk about is leadership. And, uh, and one reason we're going to slow down in this is because leadership is critical to a, uh, a thriving, peaceful church. Le- good leadership is, is so important. And understanding how to, to treat leaders in the church is really, really important. And the result here, what we're really aiming for, according to his uh, last part of verse 13, is, to, is, a, is a group of people that experience peace in the church. And, and certainly that, that means that we have to have an understanding. Now, um, don't you know that when there is not um, good leadership, that there's chaos, I have, throughout the course of my own uh, life, led led many things, and some of the most important uh, leadership lessons that I have uh, I've gotten have been leading teenagers to different cities to do mission work. I've I've led in my early days of pastoral work. I've led uh, teenagers to New York City, to San Diego, to Chicago, to Memphis, to uh, the heart of Houston. And, and, and you know, if you go in these places and you don't have a clear understanding of what it means to be the leader and people don't know who the leader is, then it's absolute chaos. It's like it's like just, just having a, a couple of handfuls of BBs and just dropping them on a hard surface and it's just like, you know, everything's everywhere. There's no sense... Of unity or no sense of purpose, and it's really a waste. And so leadership is so critical and so important. So stand to your feet. We'll read these two verses. And uh, one thing that we do after we read the passage is um, we all say together, and may God bless the reading of his word, because we're asking God to bless it, okay? So here we go. Verse 12 of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. Here's what it says. We ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. May God bless the reading of His word. You may be seated. Just two verses. Really, what He's saying here is He's telling the brothers to respect and to esteem. Now, Paul is addressing the Christian community, the people within the church. This term brothers is like a term of endearment. If, uh, he, if he's talking to them like he, he loves them, like I would talk to you all, like I, I love you, I care for you. It's a very nurturing kind of a term. So he's not, he's not laying this over on them at, with a the, with the heavy fist. He's, he's really loving on them by helping them to understand how they're to relate to the leaders. There's two things he tells them to do, to respect and to esteem. We'll get to those in just a minute. You know, Throughout the Bible, leadership leadership's important. And, and the greatest leader ever to live is Jesus. And, and, uh, and even for people that are, are not do not share our faith, that Jesus is the God-man who died on a cross and was raised from the dead so that we could have the hope of salvation. Even for people that don't believe that truth, most of them that are reasonable thinking would look at Jesus as a human being and say, that guy was a pretty dynamic leader. He was born in an area that wasn't recognized as, as being the greatest, most powerful city. He was the son of a guy that wasn't recognized as being the most powerful, impressive, popular kind of a dad or his mom, you know, it, in the circumstance that he was born in, the time that he was born in. And then he raised, he rises to a place where I mean, let's, we talk about him today. Jesus was a fantastic leader. And what he did when he walked in the earth was he, he led, he influenced. And he influenced a lot of people. In fact, his life has had an impact on all of humanity and continues to do so. Uh, while he walked on the earth, he led a group of 12 people. 12 people spent the most time with him, went from him, went with him from place to place. So he led these 12 people. But there was really three people, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus spent the most time with him. In the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, we see him with these three people uh, more than any other. And uh, so leadership is important. And, and, And what I want to put before you is that leadership in the context of this church is really important. And I don't, when I say the word leader, I don't want you to just think about me. I want you to think about anybody in the church that has an influence on somebody else. And you say, well, who is that? Well, as I see it, every person has an opportunity to lead. Not every position in the church or office in the church will be filled by every person, but every single person has an opportunity to lead. And, and, and uh, as as I see the future, what I continue to see is that is that people, uh, that our church will have groups of three. I mean, I, I, how awesome would it be if we just continue to think about leading small? That's, that's what I think a lot about. Like, we need to continue to think about training leaders to lead small so that everybody is led. Everybody's investing in three people, and then somebody's being, somebody's, uh, everybody's being invested by somebody. You understand what I'm saying? So when I say leadership, I don't want you to just think I'm about to talk about pastors. I, I want you to think about Just being in the church, being a part of the church and an influence on somebody else. And in the church, for us to thrive, for us to experience the peace of life with Christ, we must have a biblical, Christ-centered understanding of leadership. So I want you to know, I see you as a leader. And even if you're young, I see you as a leader. If you're more seasoned, I see you as a leader. Maybe you're new in the faith. I see you as uh, as a potential leader. Maybe you've been a believer for a long time. You've been there, done that. You've led, and now you're just kind of hanging out in the church. No, no. I see you as a leader. I see every person as a child of God, a believer, a follower of Christ, and every person in Christ is called to mission. And that means that you have the potential to lead in the context of the mission. So what Paul's done here is he's told the brothers to respect and esteem the leaders. Well, uh, he describes this group of people With three phrases that are very important. And by telling these Christians at Thessalonica who these people are, we learn something about what these leaders are supposed to do. So he's saying, hey, there are these these people that are doing these three things, and I want you to respect and to esteem them. So what we must do is really look at, okay, what are these three things? And what they do is they teach us about leadership in the context of the church. And certainly these things can be applied in other areas, but we're just talking here about uh, the Christian church. So, first thing we see is this, is that uh, he says, respect those who labor among you. What we should see is that leaders in a thriving, peaceful church uh, labor among you. This, this gives us a sense of they, they grow tired on your behalf. It's, it's someone who willingly fatigued themselves for you. Think about the life of Jesus again. Got up early, stayed up late, traveled from city to city. He certainly experienced fatigue like you and I do. And what did he get tired doing? He got tired preaching the message of the kingdom of God. God is working in a new way. He began to tell people that, call people to repent of it. He he, he got you get tired doing the work of God, uh, ministering to the marginalized, healing the sick, and, and um, paying attention to, to people that no one else would pay attention to. Leaders choose to labor, to grow tired on behalf of other people. Leaders uh, in a thriving, peaceful church uh, are willing to be fatigued for a greater purpose. Leaders um, choose this because they're really more about we than I. Now, you would say, well, yeah, this makes sense in the church. I want you to know there are plenty of churches out there where the leaders are really more about I than we. Godly, Christ-centered, biblically-based leadership is, is about helping people to thrive, not about having people to help them succeed. You understand what I mean? So when you think about people in our church that are leaders, ask yourself the question, who is laboring among us? Who is growing tired on our behalf? Who is willing to fatigue themselves for a greater purpose? Those are our leaders. Now, a question that we must ask as we kind of press through this idea of those who labor among us is this. What do we want our leaders to be tired doing? Right? Because leaders can get tired doing things that are not exactly what God had in mind when he set up the church. We want our leaders tiring themselves uh, with the work of ministry, right? The work of discipleship, the work of of teaching God's word, the work of, of feeding the hungry, the listening to the needs of the people. That's what we want our leaders doing. Am I right here? Are you all with me? And, and I want you to know that, that sometimes leaders in the context of the church, as I've observed it, here's what they get tired doing. They get tired reminding people to do what they've said they already would do. They get tired with reminder phone calls. They get tired of, of calling a meeting and people saying they're going to be there and not showing up. This is, quite honestly, the thing about leadership, as I've observed it. Uh, in the context of the church, and certainly our church, where leaders, people that are wanting to fatigue themselves on behalf of another, wanting to labor among uh, others, uh, are are growing tired, not of doing the work of the ministry, but instead of of dealing with people who aren't willing to engage the life of the church maybe the way they ought to be. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17, it's a corollary kind of a passage, says, let them do this, those that that are leaders in the context of the church. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So leaders are those people who choose to labor among you. You know, when somebody comes to me and they say to me, hey, I want to be a leader in this church. Um, I actually like it. I I am not threatened by it. I think it's cool. And typically what I say is great. Um, Danny gets here about 6.30 every Sunday morning, He'll see you there. That's where it starts. Um, leaders are those people in the context of the Christian church that, that are willing to labor, to grow tired on behalf of other people. People say, I want, I want to be a leader. I'll say, oh, okay, great. Here's a person that's in the margins of our church. I want you to pursue them to find out about what's in their life, to listen to them, to care for them, to love them, to disciple them. I mean, that's a long distance from standing up here on the stage and go, hey, I'm a leader, I'm a big deal. But that's what leadership looks like in the context of the church. Second thing that Paul says in describing this group of people that we're to respect and to esteem is that uh, these people are over you in the Lord, which means that these people lead or direct or govern. Leaders in the church have a vision of of where we're going, where they want to take you. And this can happen like on the host team. Jesse leads our host team. So his job as the leader of that host team is to help people that are on the host team to see the destination for the host team. Kristen, who will be up here later telling you a little bit about what we're going to do in, with our, among our kids and with our families for Advent, for our church, uh, she leads our kids' ministry. So her job is to lead the leaders to to this destination, this this place. Uh, my job as uh, one of the leaders of the church and the pastor of the church is to help you all see where, where, our, where we're going as a church uh, to what that looks like. The leader holds the travel brochure. Here in a few months, we're sending um, uh, 10 somewhere around 10 to 15 people to Ecuador. And uh, I don't know that only maybe one of them, I think Jennifer, you've been to Ecuador maybe one time, but I don't think anybody else has been to Ecuador. So, so my, my job as the leader is to say, hey, this is what Ecuador looks like, and, and uh, I've been there. And uh, Marisol, uh, sat down with Marisol and Pablo, who are from Ecuador, and uh, they told me about Ecuador before, I, so they led me to Ecuador the first time. So they told me what it was like, they showed me pictures of what it was like, and then I went there and I saw it myself. So now I come back with a travel brochure and I say, hey, Ecuador, my job as a leader is to say, this is what it looks like, I've been there, it's awesome, or, or you know, I've been I'm familiar with it, and so I want to lead you all to go. I want to help you all see what you don't see yet. Leaders are, are willing to step up and direct or to govern and to say, you know what, we're going to go there. And this is how we're going to get there. Uh, really unhealthy leadership is, it says, this is where we're going to go, and then just walks off and leaves everybody behind going, uh, uh, because then you feel guilty about not getting there. Really good Christian leaders are willing to say, this is where we're going to go with our ministry, with our, uh, with our group, be it a small group or a service team or whatever it is, and, 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 and it's willing to look back and to help people take steps there. This is good Christian leadership. Um, it's a leader's responsibility to take people where they might not go on their own. This is what Christian leadership looks like in the Bible. Um, my, my unique role as a pastor in this church, as the lead pastor... And one of the leaders um, is, is to say, okay, this is where we're going to go in the next year. And just so you know, one thing we worked on as a, as a staff this week is, is how we're going to articulate where we're going to go in 2014. And uh, just kind of as a glimpse of it, we're, we're going to help every person take steps towards growing in all eight areas of our mission measures, which is loving, generous, uh, free, connected, reaching, praying, and um, one other. I can't remember. Um, so, so that's, that's my job. I get to say, here, we're gonna go. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like to be more generous. I don't know what it looks like to be more loving. I don't know what it, I don't know what it looks like. And I say, that's okay. You don't have to, because I'm going to tell you, this is where we're going, and I'm going to help you get there. That's leadership. Now, this, there's a nuance to this phrase that Paul uses, over or over you in the Lord. Um, and by the way, uh, really unhealthy leadership would, would approach a phrase like this and say, oh, look at this, I'm over you. Do what I say. That's really unhealthy leadership. In fact, that's abusive leadership, and unfortunately, it happens in the church, and so I tell you so that it will never happen here. Uh, A Christian leader who's always reminding people who's in charge, uh, beware. This phrase, are over you in the Lord, it has this nuance to it where it kind of means like this person stands or goes before people uh, as a protection it's, it's like the, the shepherd who's responsible for the sheep, at least part of that responsibility is dealing with the wolves, being willing to stand between the sheep and the enemy, or the wolves. It's one reason that I sit down and I have a face-to-face conversation with every person that considers become a member of our church. It's because I want to sit down and listen to your story and discern, is this person, uh, is God calling them to be a part of our church, or are they... a a wolf? Is it going to create more problems? And frankly, we've had some wolves come and uh, they're buried in Andrew's backyard. <laughs> and so, um, so, so a leader, a Christian leadership is, is someone, and if you're a home group leader, we have several home groups in here. Your job as a, as a leader is to, is to not just, um, not just, there, there's a, there's a nuance here where you're to protect your group. These are your sheep. You're to care for them, to be mindful of what might be attacking them. Not just people, but even situations. And then to have the courage to stand up and lead. Leadership is a lonely place. It can be um, for you to say, hey, this is where we're going, uh, and I'm going to help you get there. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of prayer, certainly, in the Christian church. So leaders uh, labor, grow up tired on behalf of people. They, they, they lead people, actually, to specific places. They have a destination in mind. They protect people. And then there's this third phrase. Uh, leaders in a thriving, peaceful church admonish you. These are the people that he's saying to respect and to esteem. Admonish means to give instruction or guidance. Some of your translations say to teach. Uh, this is what it sounds like. There are people who are willing to, to direct your mind to a subject so that you can, you can move towards something. Now, what this assumes is that uh, these leaders have something to say, which means that leaders must study. Good leaders are willing to to put in the time when no one's around, to have something to say when there are people nearby. Good leaders are willing to put in, in the church, are willing to put in the time and study here so something happens in their mind and in their heart so that when they're having an influence on people, it's in the right direction. These people are admonishing you, giving you instruction, giving you guidance. It also means that um, for them to have something to say, it also means that they must have clarity on who they're following. And this is not hard in the Christian church. Who are we following? We're following Jesus. Leaders in the Christian church, be it Leaders of our team that set out the coffee and the orange juice, Luke and Amy, by the way, have done that and they don't want credit, but they've done it since the beginning. The leaders of that little team, there's a, there's a responsibility that they have to look to Jesus to understand how they're how they're leading what their leading means in the context of this church. I don't know about you, but their service to this church of Sending out coffee and muffins and stuff is probably more like Christ <laughs> than, than maybe any other team. Some of you wouldn't be awake right now if it weren't for that coffee. Um, you get the sense of leadership that Paul's acknowledging here? He's not just saying, hey, the people in the church that really want the title of leadership. When somebody comes to me and says, hey, I want you to call me this as a title. I say, you know what? No. Because anybody, any church or any Christian leader who says, follow me because my title says pastor so-and-so or my title says uh, small group leader, or my title says this or that, uh, anybody that has to, to tell the people that they're in charge, it's not actually in charge. It's, they're not leaders, they're frauds. And, and it is important that we think about Christian leadership because as Hebrews chapter three, verse 17 says, as leaders will have to give it an account. Someday I will stand before God and I'll give an account for how I led in this church. I will. Your names will be on the list of people that I, as a leader of this church, have to give an account for. Leaders will have to give an account, so Christian leadership is so important. Now, the people that are doing these three things in our church and certainly in Thessalonica, uh, they're laboring among you, they're they're directing you, they're over you in the Lord, they're admonishing you, they're teaching you. Uh, They're to be recognized as leaders. Uh, talk is cheap just because somebody says, I want to be a leader. If they're unwilling to do those three things, then frankly, they don't fit as a leader in the context of the Christian church. And what Paul and his colleagues seemed to do was that they would wait and in, uh, in, in just watch in these fledgling churches for people to uh, display these characteristics. And then they would acknowledge those people as leaders. They would wait until those kinds of people emerged and then they would acknowledge them as leaders. They wouldn't just say, hey, I want you to lead this area and not know anything about you. They'd say, ah, what I've seen is that you're leading. It's one thing we've done as a church. I mean, at the beginning of um, 2013, uh, I asked you, okay, who among us do you recognize as leaders? And these people were uh, were nominated or you know, whatever brought to my attention as being leaders, and we call them deacons and deaconesses. We don't talk a lot about them, like, hey, here's deacon so-and-so and deaconess so-and-so, but these are the people that you'd think about that are leading right now. They've emerged as leaders in the context of our church. This is exactly what Paul did, and this is what Paul's telling the Christians at Thessalonica to do. Um, they did not do the work. This is If you've listened to anything, listen to this. They did not do the appropriate work because they'd been appointed as leaders. They were recognized as leaders because they were already doing the work. For this group of people, there's two things that Paul tells us we're supposed to do. To respect and to esteem them. What does that mean? Well, the word respect, it means that you appreciate it or that you recognize or that you know how to honor these people. This could get very funny and uh, a little ridiculous, certainly, but there are some ways that you can respect, show respect to the leaders uh, that are leading you. Here are, here are just five categories, and I've made these sound a lot like the five love languages just to help you think about them, but uh, there are ways that you can appreciate or recognize or know how to honor the people that are in leadership. That'd be the leader of the host team, leader of the setup team, uh, leader of the, you know, the kids team, leader of the, the worship team, you know, what? whatever. Here, here leader of your home group, Here are some ways. Verbal affirmation. Tell them you appreciate them. Just tell them, hey, I appreciate you. Danny, I appreciate you every Sunday morning. Leaving, Anita, and Anita, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming up here and setting up. And Danny does most of it by himself. I appreciate that. I really, really do. And it's important. And quite literally, I would not be standing here if it weren't for your service. Um, so, So express your verbal affirmation. Acts of service is another thing you can do. Do something to serve them. Help them out. Um, So think about ways of doing that. Gifts. Uh, You could give them, you know, a card. A $5 Starbucks gift card. And really the actual gift doesn't matter. What it is is the gesture of you just saying, no, I appreciate you. Physical affection. Now this could get weird. But, but uh, just pat them on the back and tell them you love them. I, I try to do that on Sunday mornings. The guys, that, guys and um, men and women that, that lead music, I try to come up afterwards. And I don't get to it every Sunday. Just, just pat them on the back or hug them um, uh, and just say, hey, I love you. I appreciate you. Physical affection is important. Now, you have to be careful. If you start hugging and they're like, you know, like get, get up off me. That, some people aren't into that, okay? Um, it's funny because I asked our staff. I, said, I sent them an email. I said, I asked them like your favorite... Candy bar, your favorite restaurant, your favorite movie, your favorite, you know. And then I said, you know, side hug or fist bump. And every, or, or I said, hug or fist bump. And all of them said hug except for Kristen. She, Kristen, she said fist bump. And so uh, I'm, I'm with you. I could just do that. We're not, not going to try to hug you, you know. But all the rest of the guys are like, hug. And so we, we hug as a staff. I just tell them I love them and appreciate them. Uh, time also. This is another thing. Give them your time. Take them to lunch. Sit down with them. Ask them how they're doing. These are the ways that you can respect, you can recognize, or know how to honor the leaders. And let me tell you something. This is really, really important. Think about your own job. Think about how important it is to you when somebody says to you they appreciate you. It's important. It means something. I can remember um, probably to the card or to the email each message I've received that's a word of affirmation from the people in this church. I mean, that, that stuff means so much. I got a call this week from somebody that said, you know I just want to tell you I appreciate you. And it's just powerful. Take the time to, to recognize those that are in leadership. If you have a home group leader, Tell them you appreciate them. So we're to respect. And then a close but slightly different nuance here is to esteem them very highly in love. That means to choose to have a high opinion of them in love. Choose choose to have a high opinion of them in a loving kind of a way, not in an unhealthy kind of a way. There are some churches where the people have an unhealthy sense of uh, opinion about their pastor. They almost make them like, like, okay, this is our Jesus. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. That's not healthy, frankly, because that pastor, no matter how good a, a preacher he is or how good he looks or whatever, uh, he's still a human being. But to have a high opinion of them, is very important. Love loved them in that way. The highest possible regard is due to these kinds of people is what Paul is saying. It's interesting, right? Not because of their status, but because of their work. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 17 again, because these people are watching over your souls. Their work is so important. So I want I want to draw this to a conclusion. Uh, frankly, it's, it's a little challenging to bring this to a conclusion, uh, but I will. But before I do, I want to say this. this, this as I was thinking about this whole sermon, uh, I want you to know I feel the love. This isn't, uh, there's no part of my heart that's like, man, I sure hope I get lots of gift cards this week. No, not at all. This is this is a wonderful church to pastor. And I've been pastoring in a pastoral kind of role in churches for a long time. And um, this is a wonderful kind of a church to pastor. You guys are very affirming. You're, you're gracious. Um, you know, I, I just can't say enough about that. So this really isn't about, okay, guys, now I'm going to see if you respond to this. I'm going to be waiting for the call tomorrow. Um, but what I, what I want you to do is think about the people that are leading you on a, like a one-to-three scale. Not on like a like a one to one hundred and forty scale, which would be like, but like a one to three. Who is that person that has an influence on you? Is it your NT path leader? Is it your somebody that's leading your children that shows up every single week uh, to, to to invest in your kids? Is it someone that that stands at the door every week? Is it someone that sets out the the, the, the goods? Um, uh, do, you, do you know what, do you know what I mean? I want you to think about that. Here, here's 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 what I want you to do in conclusion, two things. First of all, love those people, esteem them, encourage them. And if we're thinking like, okay, everybody's leading three people, then that means that at least a third of our people ought to be receiving this kind of leadership love. I want you to love these people. I do. Uh, Zori uh, has made the communion. This is an important leadership role. She's made the communion bread almost every Sunday since we started the church. That's a leadership position. She's leading us all to experience and to remember the shed blood of Christ. So we ought to appreciate her and love her and, and just say, awesome, thank you so much. Love your leaders. Take the time to do it. Pat them on the back. Tell them you appreciate them. Take them to lunch if you want to. Hug them. Fist bump them. (laughs) Do something. Okay? And And then the next one is this, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. I want you to choose to lead. If this entire time you've been thinking about, okay, other people, I want you to just for a moment think about yourself. I want for you to choose to lead. Paul tells, in the context of like talking about elders in the church, elder, pastor, overseers in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says it's a good thing to pursue the office of overseer to elder. And, and I um, I want you to know that in, in our church, if I want you to choose to lead. Choose to lead somebody. Invest in somebody. You may be in a stage of your spiritual growth or understanding that, that you're really, you're about just coming and just kind of sitting and soaking. And that, that that's okay for a while. But in, in our church, one thing that's unique about it is we ask everybody to partner. That's why we call our members, mission partners. Choose to lead somebody. Choose it. And uh, and if you wonder, well, I don't know where to lead, then you need to reach out to us and ask us. One place that you can go is our information table in the back on the way out. You can go there and just Giovanni will be back there. And you say, hey, I wanna I want to invest. I want to... To, to contribute. I wanted to, to lead somewhere. Where, where can I? And we'll get your information. And we'll help you get plugged in, okay? All right. Love your leaders and choose to lead. Um, let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this message from Neartown Church. If you want to talk to someone about what you've heard today, please visit neartownchurch.org and click the contact button.